What's up, everyone, and welcome to episode 204 of the Justin Insight podcast, a show where we talk to people involved in the world of alternative music and their journey through it. As always, my name is Tim Batbeck. I am your host and guide through said podcast. And as many of you who have regular listeners to the show will know, I'm in my new base of Bristol. I'm still currently bunking with my best friend, so shout out to Sophie for being so kind for having me and letting me use your flat as my base and putting up with my shit for the time being. But yeah, I'm here, settling in, getting by, living life and all that shit, jazz. Also had another one of my really good friends recently, well, this weekend, come down and visit me. So yeah, I've had a lovely sociable week slash weekend. So, and it feels like life is kind of going back to normal now, like barely seeing anyone with, with masks, which is a little bit weird, but yeah, I mean, things are kind of normal now, which is cool and weird at the same time, but hey-ho, life goes on, as the saying goes. Um, as always, not a whole lot else to kind of report. Uh, I might have gone to my first live show in over 18 months by the time this has come out. I've still undecided how I feel about live shows at the moment, but as it stands, I'm planning on attending so who knows if you you're looking at our social media and you see that I've gone to a live show then you know that's a thing that I've done um but yeah excited to kind of get back out there but still a little bit tentative um as always just want to kind of give a shout out to new stuff that I've been listening to this week uh the new quick sound record quick sound quick sand record sorry is chef's kisses uh, a great big pile of leaves have released their first record in fucking years, which is really cool. It's like if you're a fan of a great big pile of leaves, you will love this record. They were probably like the last uh, top shelf record band that I really, really dug. So really cool to see them back on the scene. Uh, former guest of the show, Unrequainted, they have a new record out. Uh, it's called Beautiful Ghosts. So go check that out. Another former guest of the show, Fawn Limbs, new record, Darwin Falls, uh, Meet Me at the Altar, loads of new stuff coming out recently, actually, which is a bit really cool. Uh, the new Rot Away record was really cool. So yeah, lots of nice new stuff out there for everyone to get their ears around. So please do go check all that stuff out. Um, speaking of new music, my guest this week is probably part of one of the hottest new bands around at the moment. Uh, I'm joined by Harold Griffin, who plays guitar in the band Koyo and Hangman. He also does vocals in Soul Provider, but if you listen to the, the chat, you'll understand why I'm not making a huge deal of that. Uh, but we talk about, obviously, Harold getting into music uh, via his sister, kind of, again, sort of form, like former guests growing up in the Long Island scene, being part of that world. Uh, his first trip over to Europe and the UK, how that was a bit of a calamity, but has kind of learned from that. And yeah, just the explosion of Koyo, like, as I say, probably one of the hottest bands around right now, and just how that they're kind of processing that and what their kind of plans are for the future, even though they've literally just only released their second EP and it already feels like they're bursting through the stratosphere. So, yeah, please sit back, enjoy the chat I have with Harold, and I'll see you on the other side. Right, so joining me this week on the Justin Insight podcast 
is guitarist of hardcore bands Hangman and Koyo and vocalist of another hardcore band, Soul Provider, Harold Griffin. Harold, thank you very much for taking some time to have a little chat with me. Um, busy time with your bands, well, one band in particular, which we'll get to in a moment, but how's things in, in general like? I guess Koyo is kind of like taking the priority of your your time at the moment. I'm guessing. Uh, yeah, for sure. Uh, thank you for uh for having me first and foremost. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, Koyo is definitely um, the biggest thing I have on my plate right now. Uh, for a while it was Hangman, and uh, now uh, Koyo's doing a lot of stuff. Hangman's got stuff planned for sure, and. Uh, Soul Provider will probably never do anything again. Um, <laughs> but for now, uh, yeah, I, I stay pretty busy with those three. And obviously, like, we'll get into the nitty gritty of it in a, in a bit. But just in terms of, like, where, I, I guess, like, the explosion of Koyo is the only way I can kind of, like, describe it. Like, obviously, I know that you guys obviously did that first EP back in, like, January 2020. But, like the the movements where we are now in 2021 is like been like stratospheric so like how has it been to sort of like be part of that and see what you guys created like explode uh well calling it like exploding is really cool it's very flattering like that's really cool uh i would have never like i i don't know it's just, it's it's definitely cool you know we have um we have some cool things going for us it's it's always been um like our goal to be in a band like this i can say that collectively mm. for all of us you know like we all grew up on long island which has a crazy history of emo pop punk hardcore that you know goes way back and uh we're all really really attached to that uh genre that culture and uh it's it's really cool to be able to like do something like that and to know that simultaneously like there are people who want to hear that who have been waiting for you know a band to kind of like uh, sometimes I, I hate the whole like nostalgia thing the pastiche thing but, uh, yeah, but like yeah, yeah. at the same time like I, I have to be honest come that is kind of what it is you know and that's that's all right <laughs> yeah. it's, you know that's that's okay it's definitely nostalgic for me to hear stuff like that so it's it's really cool to be able to be a part of something like that you know and just like finally before we kind of get into it properly but like as you say that sort of nostalgia kind of vibe of it but there are there's obviously like a lot of people that won't have necessarily like known the history of like long island hardcore and stuff like that and are seeing this like new wave of bands that we'll dig into in a little bit because i've got my, my own views on it but like is it weird that like people are connecting to bands like you and and Standstill and Somerset Thrower and not knowing that history? Like, because for you, as you say, for you guys, it's like the norm. But like, there's now this whole generation that don't know it, and you're their introduction to that sound. That's like probably the coolest part of it is that you know there was a time in. So I grew up with a, a sister nine years older than me, and mm -hmm. she was she got me into like taking back sunday and brand new and the movie life when i was no exaggeration like i don't know like seven or eight years old i remember like being really into those bands and like wanting to listen to their cds with her and stuff like that and and, and like i i think a lot more people like from all around who maybe don't know like the specific history they still know taking back sunday they still know 
you know, bands like Brand New, the movie, like they still know stuff like that. And that's kind of where the connection yeah. is. Like, even if they're not like aware of like the the history and how far some of that stuff goes back and the relation to hardcore and stuff like that, it's still, uh, it's still definitely something that like people know about, you know, but it's really, mm. it's really cool to think that like, you know, maybe there's like kids who are younger, maybe not that young. Cause that was, you know, extraordinarily young to get into bands like that for me. It was just, <laughs> yeah. it was just like, it was a perfect storm. You know, my sister loved all that shit. And, um, I, uh, I think that's really cool to think that, you know, there's somebody else who can like find that kind of stuff. And that's the coolest thing ever, man. That's yeah. cool. Well, I think that's a kind of like a good starting point is because I usually start off by like asking my guests like what kind of got them into alternative music. But it seems like your sister was kind of the one that was sort of flying the flag and sort of introducing you to that stuff. So were, were, apart from like those Long Island bands, were there any other sort of specific bands that you can remember her listening to or her specifically showing you when you were growing up? Yeah, I mean, I, I had a... Um... I was really into good Charlotte when I was a kid. That's one of those, nice. and I know that TJ from Coyo can relate to that because that's one of those things that we, uh, I remember, uh, uh, you know, Lumpy who runs Days. Yeah, like, Days. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and he's like, he plays in Sanction. And he uh, he clowned me so hard on Twitter one time because I, I, <laughs> I, I was walking up to him at this coffee shop on the island that we go to and I was wearing a good Charlotte shirt and he just took like an unflattering photo of me and posted it from the Days account. <laughs> and it was just a ton of people making fun of me. Uh, but, it was that you know, I rep that kind of stuff. She got me into like a lot of like the more like pop punky, like emo kind of stuff. Like Hawthorne Heights was a huge one. Uh, Newfound Glory. Silverstein, Senses Fail. Uh, I remember all those. And the, the the biggest and the one that like lasted the longest for me was Taking Back Sunday. You know, the, that definitely yeah, yeah. like a, a band I still uh, am an enormous fan of, you know. Not mm. to say that I'm not a huge and fan of all those other bands, but uh, I'm uh, like, that's like the one that has stood the test of time the, the most for sure. Yeah, yeah. So then like from there in terms of like, I guess delving a bit more into like the sort of like punk and hardcore side of things again was it kind of more like your sister showing you bands or once you'd kind of got the bug were you then sort of like going off on your own and finding bands like how did that kind of journey evolve I was like I was that kid who was like obsessed with downloading music and like okay and, like I I considered for a long period of time like I considered like part of my music collection to be digital and like that was really important to me and um i i was always seeking out stuff on youtube and stuff like that and i would find myself get into these rabbit holes of different genres and stuff like that and um they i i don't know i was always just that kid who was like into so much music you know like i i want to say I, I got into hardcore probably in like 2012 um like mm. 2012 2013 i was like 15 16 years old i started like going to shows on the island all the time and um like acquainting myself with that scene and that genre but prior to that through like just digging through music like as young as like like 13 years old i was aware of these hardcore bands through like just like the internet rabbit holes i would get into like i, yeah, I was yeah. a huge fan of rise against and um when I was like nine, 10 years old and they were 
they did a cover of for sick of it all compilation so i kind of knew who sick of it all was you know and they did um they did black flag covers and that got me into black flag and you know minor threat and like i was i like got acquainted with like the bad brains and stuff like that you know so i was it was always like it was just sort of one thing led to another and honestly i'm still that way like i i <laughs> I, I spend all day like like one of my favorite things to do so right now I work a full-time job where I'm just like sitting on the computer all day and I will like find a song that I like or like a new one, like from like, I'll, I read, I read a lot of like online publications and yeah. I'll get like a, uh, I'll find a record or a song that I like in one of those and I'll play the radio of that song on Spotify for like uh, hours, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, and I just, and then I find one of those and it's just like, it's 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 hard to explain i can't think of the word for it but there is this immense growth to like what i listen to and there always has been and i just happen to start from a place that you know i'm finding myself back at in my 20s creating the same sound you know? <laughs> yeah but that's cool though like i'm very similar like before so i've literally just started a new job but before that like i was working in like a warehouse job so i could literally just walk around with like my headphones on and it was just like every Friday, obviously, like you get like the, the release of like new albums mm. and whatever. And I'd literally just have like a list like set out and would just play that. And that would set me for like the next like three, four hours. I could just oh, listen yeah. to like this, like excess of new music. And it would just, yeah, that would get me through the no, shit. Honestly, it's great to be like that. It's so cool because I'm always finding something. I'm never bored. You know, I always have like a new yeah, type yeah. of music I'm listening to or a new a new band or whatever. I mean, my favorite stuff is always going to be hardcore and like emo stuff. But like I have plenty of other favorites that are outliers, you know, like I have plenty of artists that I've paid a lot of money to see that have nothing to do with hardcore that um i'm a little bit embarrassed by but that's okay oh, yeah. come, you've, you've, you've got to spill one now come on who, who are we saying uh so i've seen boney there like four or five times and i've paid upwards of 200 dollars for a ticket Okay, I was gonna say there's nothing embarrassing about, about Bon Iver, but yeah, the, the yeah, yeah. Like, well, okay, it was it was two hundred for two tickets technically, but it was uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, that was um, yeah, that's uh, I I I love Bon Iver. You know, I, the first time I saw yeah. him, I was like fourteen or something like that. Yeah, so I'm going to be a sidetrack here. So me and my brother went and saw him. This is maybe six or seven years ago. But there was a guy like the re like not the fact that he was incredible will stick with me anyway. But there was a guy stood behind us in the crowd, who was trying to sing along, and because obviously he has like a very distinct voice, mm -hmm. and there was just this drunk guy like behind us trying to mimic it, and we were like, "Dude, what the <laughs> fuck are you doing? Shut the fuck up!" It was just That's yeah, awesome. not the one yeah. at all. I I, but, might, I might be that guy when I go see them. <laughs> <laughs> So then, like, in terms of kind of, like, I guess going from, from there, like, obviously, as you say, like, you've kind of kind of come back around full circle, but, and you were saying, like, hardcore's obviously going to be something that's always kind of there. And obviously, as an outsider, I always think as soon as you hear that someone's from New York or the surrounding areas, like, New York hardcore obviously, like, springs straight to mind sort of thing. Right. But for when you were growing up, like, was that a big thing that you latched onto or was that kind of something that you 
discovered latterly and then kind of dug through the history of the and and things like that oh that's a good question because i don't i don't I don't really know how to answer. I know that, like, in my adulthood, I cling to that a lot. Like, I don't want to say I cling mm. to it because I'm, you know, it's, I'm, it's not, it's not my entire identity. And you know, but yeah, like yeah. when I was a kid, I definitely kind of did too. Um, I, I should, I'll, I'll say, I'm very proud of it. You know what I mean? And like, because especially now being a part of the ever-growing history of it, you know, like I'm, um, like, like just being in bands and being involved in the scene. It seems like this, like, like it's, it's like, um, it's kind of hard to explain, but uh, you know, Long Island has this crazy rich history and I definitely like getting into it. I just thought it was cool. And like, as I got older yeah. and I started learning about it, I remember I made a, uh, I made like a, a short film about Long Island hardcore when I was a, oh, awesome. a junior in high school. And I like interviewed people and I, I had all this like show footage and stuff like that. And um, to speaking back to, to how rich the history is of it, it's like, I remember hearing somebody say one time, like, wait, like growing up on Long Island, like you're always going to be around someone who's into hardcore music. And like, mm. I remember like showing that film to the department, to like the art departments and stuff like that. And one of the teachers was a hardcore kid on Long Island in the 90s. <laughs> and we, we became friends, you know, like we, 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 saw, <laughs> we right. saw Silent Majority together after I graduated. He, that's yeah, sick. That's so yeah, cool. He's, he's a man. He's a shout out Mr. S. Um, he, he's dope. Um, but yeah, it's like, you're, I don't know. There's, there's so much history to Long Island Hardcore. There's so much. Like, mm. it's, uh, it's definitely something that if I were to say, like, like when I was a kid, I liked so much of it for sure. I thought it was really cool, you know? That's cool. And then in terms of you kind of like exploring, like playing music, obviously, like we know you as sort of a guitarist, but obviously you say doing vocals in um, Soul Provider as well. But were you always kind of drawn to guitar or did you kind of like start off with, with something else and then kind of gravitate towards it? What was that journey all like? Um, so my mom was a guitar player. And through okay, that, cool. my older sister was a guitar player and um, neither of them took it too seriously, but there was always guitars in the house. And I actually always, I think Jerry from Standstill said the same thing in his interview with you. But I, I yeah. said, I mean, he said, um, I think he said like he wanted to play the drums but he couldn't. Yeah, yeah that yeah, was yeah. me. I, I wanted to play the drums so bad. My my parents didn't want me to do that. I mean, like they, they, they like I, I was, I played drums in school um, and I, I always wanted to like stick with drums, but I had no coordination and I have a great sense of rhythm that for whatever reason doesn't translate <laughs> to my lower limbs at all. So I, <laughs> I'm a very clumsy person, you know, so I'm like, Joey from Koyo recently joked that if there's any if there's any instrument he could never picture me even getting good at, no matter how long I practiced it, it's the drums. Because um, I'm just like lanky <laughs> nice. and weird uh, and uncoordinated. But uh, I, I remember going to my friend Frankie's house uh, for uh, dinner with his family and he had a guitar upstairs. I was like seven or eight years old and we were kids and uh, he was playing something and I was like starting to like, kind of like the gears were spinning in my head. 
So I, I like picked it up and I started to like kind of make sense of it. I went home and I was like, do we have a guitar laying around that I could like play on, you know? And I took one of my sisters and literally since then I have just been playing guitar nonstop, you know, just like teaching myself the ropes and uh, rolling with it. That's yeah. cool. So then in terms of like the other thing that I like to find out about kind of sort of growing up and sort of like discovering music sort of thing is kind of the the live aspect and and again like from an outsider we see that like new york in in general like the state is like rich of of all this sort of type of music so what was your kind of like first sort of exposure to like going to like live shows and like more specifically like the sort of diy kind of side of things uh i went to a i've, I've been to a number of like i i should say I had been to a number of um, like bigger shows by the time I mm. had like gone to a hardcore show. I remember, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, like the first sh big show that I ever went to, the first show like that I had interest in going to. I want to say I was twelve years old. It was me, Joey, and Spanos. Joey sings in Koyo, and Spanos plays bass in Koyo. We were twelve years old, and we saw Blink One Eighty Two, Weezer, and Taking Back Sunday. Um, nice. And uh yeah like i've been i've been friends with those guys for a long long time and uh the three yeah the three of us went to that show when we were young and then through that like you know through like being involved in music and playing music and stuff i remember a friend of mine's sister uh was dating a guy in a hardcore band when we were like 12 same age like we were like 12 years old something like that we were we were young and she took me to the boys and girls club in stony brook um and they had they had like a like it was back in the back in that time they had like mixed bill shows and yeah, so yeah. like i went to i went i went there and you know the hardcore bands like were crazy to me and the like emo bands were like they were cool you know i thought i, I resonated with that more as a kid and um but the whole thing was so like captivating i was it was there was there was so much energy and so much life there, you know, and it seemed so cool. And there was so much camaraderie. And um, I want to say like a year or two later when I started to like pursue going to like other shows, like I, I was starting like little like bands that went nowhere and just like getting involved and meeting people and just going to any shows that they were around. I was mainly going to like pop punk shows for a while mm. um seeing bands like giants at large and bellwether and no good news and stuff like that uh uh like those were just like the coolest bands on long island at the time i mean in my to me you know and uh yeah like yeah. one thing led to another and there's just like this there's this like insatiable desire to continue seeing live music you know there's this like high from it and I always wanted to pursue that high. I always wanted to go to another show and see something else. So it was just like a chain reaction of, I went to this show. Now I'm going to go to this one. Now I'm going to go to this one. And then suddenly I was going to metalcore shows and hardcore shows and like all this different type of stuff. And um, it was, uh, it was, there was always something, you know, there, there like there's yeah, always yeah. a show happening on Long Island, like just about any weekend, like shows just came back granted. So a lot of people are trying to, you know 
cram those in right now but like we uh <laughs> yeah. i i feel like i've been to amh the venue in amityville i feel like i've been there like six times in the past week and a half you know it's like and i and i live like an hour away you know i keep driving over there but that's uh there's always something going on it was really easy to to get involved yeah yeah and um, just because i want to quickly touch upon that because obviously i know the states kind of like started having shows earlier than we did here in the uk like we're starting to get back there now like the uh last weekend was like our first like big like quote-unquote like hardcore mm -hmm. weekender as well but like for for you how has it been kind of like seeing shows getting back up and running and and sort of that like life coming back to to, to life so to say it's weird because my brain is still in covid mode you know, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's like peculiar, like, like last night in particular was kind of weird because we're back in the wear a mask all the time. Even if you're vaccinated, we're, we're, we're like, like things are getting weird in the States again. And um, I, like last night was, was weird. There, there was a show the other night, the Somerset Thrower show felt very normal. There was a Somerset Thrower record release. Um, the same night as uh, Dead Heat Regulate, like there's uh, there's always shows going on, you know? Yeah. Dead, Dead <laughs> yeah. Heat Regulate and Mind Force were playing around the corner from my apartment and Somerset Thrower ruled them all and uh, Victory Garden were playing on the island. And uh, I was at I was at the Somerset show and it felt so normal. It felt like, like completely yeah. normal, but I mean, you know, two days later I was back in the like, wait, I'm, I'm wearing a mask inside, you know, like this was a little bit weird. <laughs> yeah. It definitely, uh, it was a, it was a lot, it felt a lot less foreign than I thought it would, you know, I thought it was going to yeah. feel crazy. I thought I was going to be, I thought I was going to be super overwhelmed and thought everybody was going to be super overwhelmed, but honestly, it just felt like going back to, to normal and not in a super gratifying way either. It wasn't like, Oh, finally things are back to normal. It was like, Oh, I got to see this guy again. You know, it was like, it was <laughs> like, it, it was kind of like that, but it's, it's, it's all right. I mean, it's, uh, I'd rather, I obviously rather the shows be happening than not. So it's cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. And um, so then in terms of you like playing, as you said, like there was that moment of like picking up the guitar at your friend's house and it, something just kind of clicking, but you I, like fast forward in a little bit in terms of you then kind of like pursuing, like playing in bands and stuff. So what would you kind of say was like the first like quote unquote proper band that you were part of? Um, well, if I want to call it so like like proper meaning like playing shows like. Yeah. yeah. So I played I, I played in a band that this runs so, so deep. This is so Long Island. Um, do you know James Aloisio? No, he, he so right. He manages Koyo and he's okay he's one of my best friends he's one of my dearest friends i love him to death he's like an older brother uh, to all of us and um he played in detriment he said he was the singer of that band, oh detriment. okay but yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he sang in detriment and um among many other bands that i remember as a kid um well he played in other bands but um so when I was 12 years old, I had just gotten into the junior high school. They did junior high and high school at my in my district. And I had just met Joey, who sings in Koyo. Um, and I had just met Spanos, who plays bass in Koyo. We, like, we barely knew each other. And there was a benefit concert being held by, the, by one of the teachers. And 
he wanted kids to come out and start bands and whatever. And it, honestly, a little bit ambitious considering it was a junior high school, you know, but it, like we, we all had the same mindset. We said, yeah, let's do it. We love playing music. Like, let's go. And so three of us showed up. I think we, we had like another friend, like who was going to play the drums and we like, didn't really know what we were doing. We didn't know what we were getting ourselves into. And James was there also. And he was, he was like four years older than us. And he was there and he started making fun of us. Cause you know, he was like a 10th grader and we were seventh grade <laughs> yeah. and he was just picking on us. And uh, he like, he gave us this funny name. He was like, oh, you should, you guys should start a band call it Q-Tip. So we were just like, we just, we thought he was cool, you know? So we were like, yeah, let's yeah, just yeah. do it. Yeah, that would be awesome. And um, we, started a band called q-tip and it was it was so bad like it was you know it was terrible we had like maybe four original songs like by the time we were done like it was just we would go to it we would we would play shows and we would just sort of like play two covers and like two original songs and they were terrible the whole thing was terrible i mean we were 12 years old you know like yeah, yeah you gotta yeah. give us some props we were like little kids you know i don't know no 12 year olds playing shows nowadays but um i uh like nowadays, everybody getting into going to shows, I feel like he's in their 20s, you know? So I was yeah, like, yeah, yeah. you know, we were little, we were really little and we played a bunch of shows with like bands that we liked too. It was weird. Um, uh, we played with like all like the local bands that we kind of grew up with. Uh, like all of us kind of knew, oh, it's this guy's sister's boyfriend's band or or it's this guy's sister's band. Like, and we, we loved all, we worshiped all these bands who were from our neighborhood and we were suddenly playing shows with them and we were, i mean they all thought we were jokes we were a joke and <laughs> that but that's fine uh that was definitely the first proper band q-tip um and it, when you think about it koyo is just the most recent inception of <laughs> i was just about to say was that thing. like an early version oh yeah dude, we there's those of us at 12 and 13 years old playing in like joey's living room like 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 playing taking back sunday songs and stuff and now we're just now we're just writing our own versions of taking back sunday songs you know like that's that's like 11 12 years ago now so yeah, it runs deep so and i always cool, think it's so cool. weird to think about like that was that like james was the one who was making fun of us and now i, t I talk yeah, to james yeah. every day that's his son on the album cover that's james's oh, that's a no picture way. of james's son yeah um like he, he's one of our closest friends he's, he's he's like an older brother and he was like yeah, it's yeah. still we're, you know the friendship is still ongoing and after he made fun of us at like 12 years old <laughs> <laughs> that's cool man that's really yeah. cool so then in terms of like i guess kind of like progressing on from there like i like obviously i'm gonna guess you did sort of other bands that kind of went into sort of doing the more kind of like Long Island scene and things like that. But what would you kind of consider like the first band that like, I don't know, like you took seriously and was out like on the road and doing things and kind of maybe got a bit more notoriety from like more than just like your peers kind of thing. Uh, I mean, Joey and I played in a band that started as a, 
a band to play the next benefit concert um at the school right, okay. started when we were in like the eighth grade or something and it started as a joke it was like a funny pop punk band and it and um we ended up doing like tours with that band uh it was a band called they all float we weren't very good at all we were actually terrible um and uh that but like we did a we, we toured almost the whole country when Joey and I were like seven. We, oh, wow. we, were, almost, we were like 17 years old. Um, we, I think we had, we had either just graduated high school or it was just before we graduated high school. We, we hmm. like, we toured, we, we recorded like, I mean, uh, it wasn't that bad. Like if I listened back to it, like it, if it was produced well, it probably would have been pretty cool. Um, <laughs> yeah. But you know, we had like a funny name and like, we were like kids that like came from like the pop punk scene. So like, it wasn't really like, we, we, we I wouldn't use the word notoriety at all, but we definitely mm. like played shows. Uh, we and we played a bunch of shows. Um, we, we toured, we actually played three days on the on warp tour when we were like 16. Um, oh, wow, we, uh, on the uh, Kevin Says stage. That's one of uh, the coolest things I've ever done, probably. Uh, it's that's probably the peak of my life, I want to say, when I was 16 playing warp <laughs> tour. A lot of kids I went to high school, how did that with, come about then? weird story but it was uh we, we we got our demo in front of kevin lyman and uh oh wow yeah and and he was like sure you know like we we had like we had like some connections and uh he he we were able to get the demo in front of him i don't even know if he listened to it but he was just like sure whatever that's right yeah, yeah. Uh, a friend of ours used to uh i'm not sure she'll appreciate me disclosing um uh and too much information about her but she essentially was our ticket to every show like backstage all the time uh, okay she was kind of like uh a celebrity kind of low-key right she sang, okay. she yeah, sang yeah, with cool. us for a little while and like so people like knew her and she was able to get backstage and um we were able to like we took advantage of the opportunity you know that's yeah, cool. definitely really cool so in terms of that then like especially being like so young and, and kind of doing like these well warp tours massive thing but like doing like as you say like a kind of potentially going around the whole country at such a young age like i don't know because i always find like people's first like tour stories like they can either be yeah it was it was kind of like what i thought it would be or like no it was absolute shit but i learned from it sort of thing so i don't know like when you're going kind of going into it did you just kind of like enjoy the ride or did it have its ups and downs uh that first that 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 tour that i was just mentioning uh had just a bunch of downs there was no ups oh okay it, it was uh they, they were like three or four good shows and the rest of them were terrible but like not aside from that too <laughs> it was like traveling was terrible like financially it was the it, it set me back to before i ever had a job you know it was i was i was oh, flat shit. broke like it was terrible i didn't really get like any great tour experiences until i started touring with hangman and that was like okay you know there like for the first little while um the, those tours we you know we roughed it it was a uh, those some of those were really hard and um some of them were just like like the most recent tours we did before covid uh, hit we had the most fun i've ever had in my entire life like i i, I mm. legitimately like like all the years of like sleeping on the floor on like hardwood floors and like having a terrible time and not getting along with the people that like i was surrounded by 
culminated to like this these incredible touring experiences that I had with Hangman. Like I like uh, we did three and a half weeks or something like that with Higher Power and Backtrack in Europe. Yeah, and that was you know that was the most incredible experience in my entire life. Like that was just like. Mm like traveling around Europe with my best friends, you know, like having a great time with my best guy friends. That was a great time. Uh, yeah, that, yeah. That was awesome. Uh, and everything before, like before that, we did a couple weeks with Life's Question and that was, that was where, that was like what, those tours were what I always expected touring to me when I was a kid. Right, okay. The first few tours that I did as a kid were terrible. They were so bad. Yeah. Like they were they, like there were no <laughs> redeeming qualities of any of the tours that I did until I was like maybe nineteen and and, and started with Hangman. Yeah. So, well, I think that's a good like point to move on to sort of Hangman because I think like this might just be my perspective, but like you're a band that I think kind of was a bit of a slow burn, maybe like just in here in the UK, I could be completely wrong with how things were perceived over in the States. But like when you guys kind of first started going, like, I don't know, because obviously there is that element of like traditional New York hardcore in the sound, but it's got a bit more bite, a bit more grit to it from my perspective. So I don't know, like when you guys first started, like what were you aiming for? Did you want to be like, the next generation of New York hardcore, or did you kind of want to step out of that shadow a little bit? I, see, I don't know. Cause like, I, I wasn't in Hangman when it first started. I, right, I, okay. I bothered. So Hangman put out their demo, our, our demo, I should say. And um, I knew Michael like through friends of friends, like we were kind of cool. Like mm -hmm. he was somebody I would like shoot the shit with and chop it up like outside of a show or whatnot. And like, I didn't know Ron who plays drums. I didn't, I am like, I remember after they put out their demo, I didn't know Dan, the singer at all, like at not even a little bit. I'd never even seen him in person. And that was sort of like weird to me because I was like, this guy's not like, I don't know him from shows or nothing like that. So I went up to Michael and I was just, I was breaking his balls and I went up to him and I was <laughs> like, yo, like Hangman's dope, dude. But like, who's your singer, bro? And and he was like, he was like oh, that's Dan. He's, he's a man. And I was like, you I, I was like, I think you want me to sing in that band or something like that. You know, I wasn't like, I was not literally, but I was like, yo, I should sing in that band. Cause I remember hearing that like friends of mine were going to sing in that band and they didn't. And then Michael ended up that like hangman was Michael's idea. Uh, who Michael mm. who now sings in pain of truth. Um, yeah. So this, this was all his idea and um, him and Ron, the drummer. And I was like, I, you know, I just, I wanted to sing in a band at the time, really bad. I, I, and I thought I could do it. And um, he was like, nah, we're not going to do that. He goes, but like, we need a second guitar player, I think. And the rest of the band was like, no, we don't. Like I heard they were like, like I pulled up to the first <laughs> practice that I did. Like, so Michael lived in, he was going to school. So he lived around the corner from me. I, I was um, at the time I live in Brooklyn. Now I was living in Queens at the time. And, uh, he, he lived like not far. It was right around the corner from where I went to school. So I would just like hang out at his house all the time. And we would just jam. Like and this was after we had that conversation, you know, and I would like play the hangman songs with him and just chill. Like got to know him pretty well. And then he was like, yo, come to a practice. Like we'll, we'll give it a shot. And I showed up and they were all like, all right, well, I don't think we need this. And then uh, <laughs> I remember, I remember seeing Ron's face 
when we were playing Faceless, the uh, the the first song on the, the Hangman demo, and Ron was like, like when when it drops, there's this part that's like, and I remember Ron's face like like you know his, his ears perked up, and he was like, oh, like yeah. he was like, oh shit, that sounds good, like. Like when I like at the uh, first practice, and from then on, it was just like I was just in the band, you know. It was, it was um, but for, to get back to your question, sorry to go off on that. To get back to your question, no, 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 you get like I don't know. I think Michael was just like he was. He was in a band. He was in a really cool band called Numbskull. And mm. uh, if you like Pain of Truth, check out Numbskull. They don't sound anything similar, but like it's the same singer, and like the riffs are kind of similar. Yeah, so yeah. Cool. But Numbskull is awesome, and numbskull like stopped playing music Numbs actually the guitarist of numbskull is brian from standstill um oh yeah. sick yeah of course i knew i knew i knew the name from yeah, somewhere <laughs> yeah they, they were one of my favorite like local bands at the time actually you can see in the background right there that's a numbskull poster that beavis and butt oh yeah. sick i mean it was just because i had an extra frame to be fair but <laughs> it's a really that was uh, i think that was the first numbskull show but um Anyway, so like Gnome School stops doing stuff and Michael just started like, yo, he had a bunch of riffs and he was always writing. He's a very creative guy, you know, and he's a very good guitar player and a very good writer. And he just had a bunch of songs like laid out and he and Ron, just, I think it was just, you know, it was just honest and genuine. They just wanted to play music. And Dan, the singer, was Michael's roommate in college and they, be, they right. became super close and like, like Dan ended up getting into hardcore, like really heavy. And uh, he, you know, he's, a, and uh, he had a lot to say. And uh, I yeah. think he's, he's from an objective, like an, from an outsider standpoint, like he's one of my favorite vocalists in hardcore because he's so genuine. There is no, like, I want to be this guy. I want to sound like this. There is no, I want to write like this guy. It's just like, it's what Dan feels. It's what he wants to say there is no oh this should sound like that it's just like it's honest it's real it's like hardcore you know like there's no there's no mm. bullshit um so i have to assume that like when it was all starting that was the that was the motive that was the mo the whole time it was like yo we'll we'll just like just be a real ass hardcore band michael writes some groovy riffs they're just like let's throw them in you know and uh, that's uh that's how that came about that's cool. So then, what at what point did you join them? Was it just after the demo? Yeah, it was like right after. It, I want to say it was with within like a month of the demo coming out. I, okay, I, cool. Because they weren't like they didn't play any shows pre-demo. They put the demo out like kind of out of nowhere, and then played their first. Show. I was at their first show. I drove from my job in rush hour. I I, I was like I was working like a like a shirt and tie job at the time. Yeah. And uh, I was like 18 years old, 19 years old. I drove and like in rush hour from the city to South Shore, Long Island. And I, for, I, I like remembered to bring a change of clothes because I didn't want to be that guy, you know. So I, I changed <laughs> yeah. real quick, but I forgot a change of shoes. So I was wearing, oh, I was no. wearing dress shoes like and I like I like. I, I remember like kind of gunning it to the door when I got in because I didn't want to miss that set. I really wanted to see them. And like, if you watch the video of the first hangman set, like I kind of like, like push my way in, like after like the first song or something. And it, you probably can't tell, but I'm wearing dress shoes the whole time. <laughs> yeah. Hilarious. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. 
So then, in turn, like, as I say, like, it might just be my perspective from how things were over here, but, like, as I say, it seemed like Hangman was a bit of a, a slow burn, but, like, now, like, a lot of people, uh, like, note it as sort of, like, this new wave of hardcore bands, like, as you say, like, Your Pain of Truths, like, Hangman, like, so many others, like, you get names within that sort of thing, yeah. but, like, from from the inside, like... Was there a moment when you kind of realised, like, oh, like, people are starting to pay attention to us, like, rather than just, like, our, again, our, like, close friends and stuff? W was there a moment that you saw that? Yeah, I think it was, like, right before, like, there there was this period of, of, there was a good amount of time, honestly, where, like, Hangman was just headlining a ton of shows on Long Island, and, like, all mm. of them did well. I think the, the real moment where we were, like, oh, this is cool. I mean, it's different, because, like, over there over where you're at like it's a little bit different because it's like we didn't get the tour there we did our first tour there with trail of lies and regulate in july of 2019 yeah yeah and then we did the, the backtrack higher power tour after that in november and like that was you know incredible and like we were so grateful that they took us out that backtrack and higher power had us um but i want to say it was like right before the the first flat spot uh ep the uh uh, okay yeah, yeah right before that we were just like we had we had hangman 2 which was essentially just a second demo just like it was like eight songs that were uh they were you know they're pretty cool but um we we were like playing i feel like all the time and like it i I'll, all right i'll tell you the exact show we were we were friends with this emo band at the time who they're defunct now but we were friends with them at the time and we played like they it was they had like a full emo lineup going on and right like the day we we played long island like maybe a couple weeks earlier or something like that and then so we weren't we we were gonna play the emo show but we didn't get announced until like the day of or the day before okay and we had an insane set like i remember like just like it was just one of those one of those crazy sets um and I remember we were all just sort of like, yo, that was insane. Like, we, we this wasn't our show. And none of these kids were, were yeah, like, yeah. It, it, the show just ended up getting flooded with hardcore kids. And it just went crazy. And um, and then, like, you know, we, we we had other, like, better shows around then, too. But, like, we did that. We did stuff like that. And then we put out the Flat Spot EP. And, like, as a kid, I loved, like, Flat Spot was one of the hardcore labels, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, um so getting to put out a, a release on that was really really crazy for us and for for me like all of us thought that was just the coolest thing in the world and like a, that that was sort of what legitimized us i guess is the way to put it you know we were like we were just sort of looked at as probably like those kids you know for a little while and then it was like oh we had a flat spot release and we had the dude from neglect sing on it and like it's five banger tracks like i remember so many friends of mine being like yo i didn't want to say it but like i didn't like hanging before this like now this is, and that's all the material we play now is just that and the, the other record. Um, the new record, yeah. yeah. Like the, and, you know, I think they're both fucking great releases um, that I'm really psyched on still. You know, I, I, I love being a part of those um, and I love Flat Spot for putting them out. Uh, but mm. like it was definitely around that time that like over here, because we, we put out that EP and then we played with Downpressor and Backtrack in California, like not too long after. Like that was a crazy experience, you know, like, and then we just did a bunch of tours and like people started to like us, you know, we were, 
<laughs> we were probably, I, I think from the outside, we may have been a bit of a polarizing band. Um, yeah, yeah. But now, I, I don't even know. Like, we, we played a few shows recently, and they were pretty cool. So maybe people still like us. Who knows? I don't know. Because <laughs> uh-huh. I think that's, like, I think you saying polarizing is a very good sort of thing. Because I think if I take that backtrack sort of tour as an example, like, you've got like backtrack who are like stereotypically like they're traditional New York hardcore. Mm-hmm. Like they've got like the two step beats. They've got like the, like the, the gang vocal parts and things like that. And then you've got higher power who the funky are very boys. much kind of like, yeah. yeah but, and they're, and they're the English darlings yeah. sort of thing in, in some point. And then there's you guys who are just like literally like a punch in the face. Yeah. We're just those like gritty but, asshole kids. Yeah. Yeah, but like it, that bill worked really well, and I think like I was a fan of you guys anyway. But I think so I was so I was at the London show. I were yeah, and I definitely and I definitely think like you won a lot of people over at that show because like of how hard and like the fact that you like your set went like, and I mean this in the nicest way, like it went by so quick. It was like, yeah. and I think there was people like, what the fuck just happened? Kind of thing. So <laughs> That's awesome. It was. Just, so yeah, I definitely like th- like I think you saying like polarizing is a definitely good way yeah. to describe it. Yeah, that, no, that's really cool to hear that. I I thought that was one of my favorite shows on the whole tour. Like that was that was mm. fucking. I mean, that whole tour was awesome. Um, I don't think there were any bad shows, but that was one of my favorites. Like I'm, I loved being there. We played New Cross in like the last time we were in. Yeah, so that that was with uh, Regulate. Yeah, it? yeah, that was that one. Yeah, that yeah. was that was the first Hangman show in Europe ever. Um, oh, sick! I didn't know New that. Cross. Were you at that one? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I fucking love Regulate. Oh, yeah. so I wasn't. I, I, I love Regulate, dude. But that was that was the first uh, that was the first Hangman Euro show. We slept outside of the New Cross in. Uh, what in the van? No, we slept on the street on the sidewalk. Oh shit! Yeah, yeah. yeah that was uh, I was actually outside of the. What's like the coffee chain over there? Costa. Oh god, yeah. There's like loads. There's like Costa it, Cafe. It was Nero. it was Costa. We so there's like a, a yeah. Costa near the New Cross Inn. Um, yeah, yeah, like that. Literally died down the road. Yeah, we slept on the sidewalk outside of that coffee shop on our guitars as like pillows. Or we slept on the kit. Why? Uh, just the way it went. <laughs> that was just like <laughs> there. <laughs> That was uh, our, I think our agent hated us or something. I don't know. I don't know. I honestly have no idea, but it was, uh, it was a crazy, uh, it was a a crazy night. Um, And we, we, yeah, we slept there until like, we slept outside until like 7am and and then the coffee shop opened and I was the only one who was, I was trying to like pull the strings and like get us to somewhere we could like sleep and shower and everything. And um, we had all this gear, we had no money, and we were in a country we had none of us had ever been in, you know? And we, so we couldn't like, we were calling up hotels and they didn't care and they didn't, you know, we didn't have the money to pay the fare to get yeah, to the yeah. hotels. So we were looking for anything in a walking distance and we were so desperate that walking distance was like two miles. So we walked like two miles to the nearest hotel that would let us there, but we didn't get it, get to it until like three in the afternoon because I don't, two miles is like four kilometers or some shit. I don't know how that works over there, yeah, yeah. but um, it was, it was far. And we, 
yeah, we slept on the sidewalk and then around like seven o'clock, the coffee shop opens. I was like, Hey, can we hang out here? Like I explained the situation to them. I was like, could we just like lay here for a little while? Like I'll, we'll buy stuff, you know? And they let us do it until the owner showed up and kicked us all out. Like we were sleeping on tables and shit, like using it as like a, a little, like a little like sleepy pod or whatever. And, uh, the owner came, kicked us out. I, uh, we were, and that was a, like perfect timing for us to get a hotel. And we had to pay all of the money that we had to get to, to, you know, stay at the hotel for, for one day. That was a crazy first European tour. Yeah, man. I can imagine. Literally flew in. That's nuts. We flew in. We took the train in the middle of the night and then just slept on the sidewalk. Yeah. Awesome. Fucking hell. It was awesome. <laughs> I, I hope that we but don't they, have that experience with Coil because there are six of us. So it's just like there's way too many, way too much could go wrong, you know? Yeah, definitely. Um, just to kind of go back to the, the backtrack tour just quickly, because mm-hmm. obviously that was like their swan song sort of thing. Yeah. And just because obviously like for you guys being part of that, did it, I don't know, like, did each night feel a little bit sweet because like you knew it was nearing the end for oh, those guys yeah. or was it just kind of like a party? Dude, it was, I mean, it was a mixture of both for sure. Like Michael's uh, older brothers are in backtrack. Um, yeah. Yeah. So like for him, it was incredibly bittersweet and like, but he's a party animal. Uh, so like that, that's kind of exemplary of, I think the whole experience we're all sort of like, so, we were having the time of our lives while simultaneously like our hearts were breaking a little bit, you know, cause it's like, yeah, yeah. these are like, these are our literal and figurative older brothers, you know, like, um, I, I bother Ricky from backtrack every single day as if I'm like a little cousin, like tugging on his shirt. Like <laughs> I always have something I got to talk to him about. Um, the, the, those guys and like, back when I was first getting into hardcore, like I said earlier, like I started getting into hardcore, like 2011, 2012, started going to like shows in like 2012. That was when Backtrack was on top of the world, you know? Yeah, and yeah. like, I, th- you know, they were my favorite band forever. Like that, and I, you know, I was like, I was still throwing stage dives when we saw them when we were on that last tour, you know? And I'm a hundred pounds heavier than I was when I first started listening to Backtrack. <laughs> um, but like those, uh, those shows were really hard. Like, cause like there were, there were times where I was just like, man, I'm not gonna, I, like, I, it was different for us because we got to, we played their last show. Um, yeah, yeah. And you know, I was obviously, I would have, there were very few things that would have kept me from the last two shows that they played. Um, mm. And uh, so obviously we were all there. It was like all of my friends and I were just, were there and uh, it was tough. It was like, yeah, it was it was it was definitely like a, a swan song type. I mean, they made the last show in particular just like a frenzy of like the coolest songs they could play. And like the energy was just it was it was weird because like that show kind of towed the line between being like a legitimate like major event on Long Island and being like just friends hanging out. Um, yeah, yeah. Like there's there were so many people there and there were so many like. It, that was one of those shows where like the fucking cashier at, at Walgreens was there. You know what I'm talking about? Everybody and the mother was there. <laughs> I say that literally because the cashier at the Walgreens in my mom's neighborhood was there. And like saw, saw me in a hangman shirt one time. I was picking up something and they're like, oh, I love hangman. And I was like, yeah, do you? 
And they were like, yeah, I love Hangman. And I'm like, I'm sure you do. Like, me too. Uh, I've, had that, I've had that exact experience a few times because I don't really ever get the. This is the most I've ever talked about Hangman. I'm never usually affiliated yeah. with them because they're – Hangman had the reputation for being the party animals. Like, like right, we, were, okay. we were just like the – like, I say we with like a little, you know, like a little bit uh, – with a little bit of hesitance because they were or hesitation, I should say, because they were crazy psychopaths and I, <laughs> um, I don't smoke or drink and I just, I like to sleep and I like to chill <laughs> and I like, you know, soft music and stuff. Like I'm that guy, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. But, um, the, I, I never get the, I never get the hangman connect, you know, it's always like, like, like they're like Joe Hardcore doesn't know that I'm a hangman and has handed me oh, wow. flyers for hangman shows and like ha has refused to hand me like money for shows that we played and stuff like that. Um, like I nobody ever knows that I'm a hangman. Um, yeah. But <laughs> getting back to your uh, your question, yeah, those shows were those were tough. Those were really really tough. They were. It felt more like. Me, like all of our friends were hanging out all of backtracks friends were hanging out it's like you know it was people who were like older who hadn't seen them in a long time like and their families and everything and just like a bunch of people watching who were also involved you know um mm. it was a it was a great experience though for sure be able to play those shows you know like my favorite band is when i was a teenager like to be able to play all of those and like be tight with all of them like and go on their last tour was just like honestly it was like kind of surreal you know to to an extent for sure mm. so then if we move on to to koyo obviously you saying that people don't associate you with hangman but people are definitely associating you with koyo at the uh -huh. moment but you mentioned obviously like you guys like knowing each other for, for since you like you were kids and stuff and like growing up on like the Long Island sound in quote unquote sort of thing. So when Koyo kind of came around, was the vibe always to have that like traditional, like Long Island sound? Because like, like when I spoke to, to Brian and Jerry from Standstill, like they said it was just obviously music that they listened to. They were younger. Now they want to play it. Is that the kind of vibe that you guys felt? Yeah. So, Koyo was the the, the like brainchild of, of Joey. Um, pardon me, I'm chewing right now. Um, um, no, it's cool, man. And uh, Joey's whole mission statement with the whole thing was like, he wanted to play music that sounded like, he wanted to like, I, I feel like using the term carry the torch implies that it was like an honor gifted to us. And it wasn't, it was just way just yeah. wanted to play this type of music. And but I would say, like, Joey kind of wanted to, like, figuratively, I guess I would have to say, like, carry the torch for that stuff. Because at the time, there was nothing on my own. Like, it was kind of the perfect storm of bands like that starting, or I should say getting, like, more popular. Like, Somerset Throw has been around for a while, playing, like, a kind of similar mm. style. And, like, they're great, but they, they've definitely seen a surge in popularity since their most recent release, um, which yeah, is yeah. so good. Uh, but, like... We just wanted to originally when Joey pitched the idea. So we were actually in a um, we were in a kind of a cool situation. So like like I've said, like like in what we've kind of made known, like Joey and me and Spanos and Marazzo, our other guitar player, 
the the four of us have known each other for a long long time and mm. tj and sal we've also known that we've also known them for like nine ten years you know but we've known each other the four of us have known each other longer and uh like we're all like lifelong best friends is is the best and we're incredibly close we always have been and i was touring with hangman all the time or not all the time, but a good amount of time. And I was in school full time and I was working and Joey was touring with Vane like full time. Um, right. Okay. He, he was like their tour manager for a while. I mean, he's still uh, okay. like, like he, since, since COVID, he obviously hasn't, hasn't been doing anything like that, but he tour managed them. And uh, like we went through a year, a year or two probably where we really didn't see each other at all. And jo Joey is my best friend ever. Like I, like he probably doesn't like me that much but like i i love him like our families are close like i'm very close with his family um like i uh there there have been to put that like into perspective like joey there there were many days where like joey would come home and i'd be having dinner with his family type stuff right you know okay, like cool. i would i was like that like i like joey's backyard has like a bunch of cool stuff in it like a shed and like his parents backyard has like um a bunch of cool like different like parts to it it's a pretty big backyard and i like built all of it with his dad like ju right. just me and joey's dad not joey but just me and his dad <laughs> um like we're very very close and we we had this like for whatever reason we we had like three months of downtime where nothing was was on our on our plates and tj are like who started koya with joey it was the two of them they I shouldn't even say that it was the two of them because it was kind of all of us. Like uh, I'll, I'll kind of mm. explain that in a second, but like uh, TJ toured with adrenaline and um, reign of salvation. And like he was, he, and he worked full time. Like that we, we were all doing other bands and uh, we had this, these three months of downtime and we were like, yo, let's just play a bunch. Let's just start like eight or nine bands. Like we, let's just, write like a bunch of demos and the idea was so that if there was ever like the idea was like we could just open shows on long island with different incarnations of like you yeah, know what i'm yeah. talking about like just like like a we put out a bunch of demos with like slightly different sounds and just like we could just be in a bunch of different bands and the first band we did was soul provider and i've always wanted to right. sing for a band for as long as when i when i first joined hangman it was because i wanted to sing for Frankman, you know like so I, I like wrote a bunch of soul provider songs like Sal and TJ and we put those out. We like recorded those first. And at the same time, Joey and TJ were kind of like mulling over ideas for um, uh, like Koyo songs. And TJ and I were mulling over ideas for a band that we called Weezer Band because we never got it off the ground. And it was just going to sound like Weezer, but kind of like, like, different uh, like we had a, we had a few ideas for it we had so many of these bands um we we had like a like a super like 2000s mosh core sounding band you know nice. like we had a bunch of different shit like that but the only two that recorded demos that we like the only two that we actually got off the ground at all and when i say that i mean like the only two where we practiced any songs together were soul provider and koya and yeah we didn't expect to do like anything with either of them ever you know like we we didn't ex like we just kind of wanted to put out demos and that was it and um then 
like like the, the that particular project was like each one of us spearheaded a different project and mine was sole provider right. and joey's yeah, yeah. was koyo and joey's idea with koyo was let's do old long island stuff like let's do the shit we grew up on like let's do like let's do that like emo hardcore and let's like keep it real like i want to be in a band that sounds like that so bad and it ended up being me and tj living out our pop punk emo fantasies with like like growing up on like census fail and shit like but with like yeah. we, you know it still has the attitude of a hardcore band but like the melodies of a of an emo band you know like uh so i don't i don't really know like J joey could explain like the idea behind the inception of koya a lot better than i can for sure uh, but i mean i've been in the band the whole time like it's still my band it's just like that was joey's baby you know yeah 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 like, yeah like all of us had different ones that we we had so the, the, the <laughs> six of us had so many different ideas and just two we just kept going with the two of them and that was you know that rest is history why do you think it was like the, those two were the ones that stuck um probably because being in a band and writing a, an ep or a demo is way harder than we remembered you know like <laughs> like it was so much more effort than we thought it was gonna be like tj and joey and i are the type to just like sit in our rooms and write songs all day so yeah, we yeah. had all these like skeletons and like we had all the material it was that we didn't have the time or the patience or the money to be like practicing with them as a whole group all the time so we just like those were the most concrete ideas that we had okay and like those were the like while we did like and like because of that we kind of did them at the same time like i i think we did both eps like the soul provider demo and the koyo ep in the studio like the same month like we did them like a couple days apart or something like that like like that was uh because we did that was all concrete like we knew what we were doing you know the other ones we were sort of like ah oh, i don't know what this song's gonna sound like i don't know and we just said you know what let's like put it on the back burner we'll get back to it like we like these songs let's just record them like let's just let's yeah. kind of put all our eggs in one or two baskets in this case and like see what happens mm. so so that first like recording was that pain and words pain, yeah yeah cool so in terms of kind of like that because that was that was early 2020 that came out wasn't it yeah i think that was march of 2020 or Feb february yeah. probably february because we took the photos <laughs> for that on valentine's day we oh, took nice. the promo photos <laughs> on valentine's day yeah i think and i think we like put it out like right afterwards yeah so like in terms of kind of that and then building to where we are now like i can't even remember how i came across the demo i think it, it might have just been like trawling through Bandcamp, and i just saw like the artwork but like obviously there was some momentum there but comparatively now it's just like, as I said when we started this conversation, it's just kind of blown up, it's gone mental. So, I don't know, like, from that first sort of, like, idea, was it always to, to get out that second record and push it a bit more? Like, what taught me through the trajectory, because, like, it seems strange that, like, a band that's literally come out of nowhere has these two, like, EPs, but they've yet to really tour it or we, we played really one strange. show we played one show yeah. and it was before they were uh, either of them were out um I, I i really i can't i can't say it enough like i really appreciate you 
talking about it like that because I would have never, you know, like say, saying anything about it, like blowing up is crazy. Um, but I, I, yeah. I, get, I get what you mean. You know, it's like it's like there, people are listening, you know, and like that's, yeah. that's very like that's a, the coolest feeling on earth. Um, and uh, I don't know, like we we didn't really like plan for anything when the band first started. We just wanted to put out a demo and then move on to the next. Mm. you know but when we put out that first ep we got a, a way better response than we thought we were gonna you know we didn't we didn't yeah. expect anything we, and we literally like so the coming strife had a relationship with sal oh uh, that's probably why i saw it because coming strife are you yeah, yeah. So, yeah yeah so we we had a, a relationship with them because they put out the reign of salvation um stuff and yeah i like, I remember, you know, we didn't think anything of it. And, and Sal was like, oh, my, my friend, Ollie, um, uh, shout out to Coming Strike, because they were the, like, yo, huge, like, part of us, like, starting to, like, take this band, like, I, I don't want to say more seriously, because that makes it sound kind of, like, arrogant, but, like, but definitely uh, something that changed the way we felt about this band was, was them putting out the record. Yeah, yeah they they sal sal just hit up the group chat one day and he was like oh yeah like the coming strike wants to put out uh both new bands that we're working on soul provider and koya and he was like he said he'll do both of them and he put out tapes for koya after that ep came out and they sold out in like minutes you know like the, the yeah one yeah. of the variants sold out in like less than two or three minutes or something like that it was it was absurd and I was like, and this is in the UK, you know, like, this is not like, <laughs> like, this isn't like my friends buying these, you know, it was so peculiar. And then he put it out on a 10 inch, which uh, 10 inch records are my favorite type of like medium for music. So that was the coolest thing. Okay. Like, I, I always thought they were so like different, you know, and uh, yeah, yeah. they put it out on a 10 inch and that sold incredibly well too. And like, none of us expected that at all. Um, I was like, uh, it, it was, uh, it was really, really weird. Um, and very, very cool. And like, I want to say it was after that, after we started to like, people started to listen and talk to us and like communicate and like enjoy it. And, you know, um, like different labels had reached out and stuff like that. And we were like, yo, this is awesome. Like, let's just keep making music, you know? And like with COVID, uh, TJ and I, and, and, you know, Joey too, were we were all, I mean, all of us were locked in our houses, but the mm. three of us were unemployed, like ha newly unemployed, like freshly unemployed. We had nothing to do. And we, the three of us are like the primary songwriters. Right. We yeah, wrote yeah. like a hundred songs. Like we, we literally wrote like nonstop. I have a whiteboard you can kind of see the corner of. I'll show it to you real quick. I can't give too much away. Oh, yeah, yeah. But that's filled with <laughs> song. That's that's like 20, 30 songs that we recorded, you know, like that just in my room um, for for whatever. To, you know, we don't know. But we just we just keep writing them because they're so much fun and uh, they're they're so cool and like melodic and like fun to to play with. So we never really we didn't have anything planned until quarantine when we had nothing to do but sit and like like for lack of a better word like study like the music of our childhood 
and yeah. like try to not rewrite it, but like to, like going back and like listening to like records that I hadn't listened to since I was, you know, in high school and being like, wow, this is crazy. Like, I no wonder I wrote this. No wonder I write like that. Like, let's keep moving. Let's keep like, well, I'm going to write something else. Oh, this, this is inspiring to me. Like, I want to keep going. And like, I just had nothing but time. You know, so we mm. said, you know, let's just write as many songs as possible, see what happens and plan for a future release, like way down the line. Like we, we wrote so many songs during that time frame. It was crazy. And those were just our four favorite. Um, yeah. But, we, you know, we, there are plenty of songs that, so we did a, a beach session on Long Island one day, which was, that was another thing where we were like, oh, people people give a shit you know like it was so cool <laughs> yeah. like we we did a private secret beach show after a pop-up where we handed out um we handed out flyers at the pop-up at lumpy held and we didn't expect anybody to go like we we ordered a like a, a bunch of merch for that and all of it sold that day and i was like that's really cool like this is awesome um and then we did this like private show, excuse me. And uh, we didn't expect anybody to go. We just wanted our friends to go. It was on the beach in our hometown, you know, like where we all grew up. Like yeah, it was yeah. a place that we've like, like that we were all like bringing girls when we were, you know, 16 and shit like that. And like, <laughs> yeah. it was, and we were just like, oh, we'll, we'll do a couple of songs there. We actually played one, a song that we wrote um, like, that I wrote like very beginning of COVID that's probably not going to be released until like, we, we know it when we're, we know we're going to put it out, but it's not going to get released to like 2024 or, you know, or yeah. earlier, you know, that's an exaggeration, <laughs> yeah. but like, it's like, there's so many, there's, we, we wrote so much material that we just said, you know, let's keep going. Let's keep doing it. We love doing it. We love writing these songs. We love this type of music, you know, and it obviously like, you know, we, uh, we take it, we like, we put our all into it, you know, that's, mm. uh, and I think we just want to keep, we did want to keep that ball rolling. That's cool. And then just like to bring it back to, to kind of the Long Island vibe of it, like, obviously you mentioned like Somerset Thrower, like a, a band that's been doing it a bit longer, but they've started to get a bit more recognition definitely off the last record. Obviously now you guys and like Standstill, there, there is this like, like new sort of wave of of that sound kind of coming around and i know like obviously talking to to the guys in standstill obviously like you're all friends but there's kind of a little bit of like friendly rivalry there <laughs> and, and stuff like that but but like how do you kind of like see it like inside that bubble is it is it like i don't know is it is it just coincidence that like everybody seems to be on the same wavelength or like, is there something in the water? I don't know. Like, what's going I on? I think it's right just now? coincidence. I think it's just like the, it's like right place, right time. Like we all kind of spent our teen years and our early twenties, like playing in these like hard bands. And like, we're just like, you know, where we, we still love that music. We still want to play hard music, but we were like, yo, let's play some like other shit, you know, like, let's see what we could do. Yeah. Yeah. As for the rivalry aspect of it. We have some uh, some cool stuff planned for the record release shows. Us and Standstill. I mean, like, uh, at the end of the day, like, I I love Standstill, and I I love all of those guys, and I want them to be the biggest band on earth. I think they're so good, and like, their music is 
fucking incredible. It's so good. Like, you know, like they're, uh, when I first heard it, it blew me away. It like, I legitimately yeah, lost yeah. my mind. Like their trajectory is crazy to think they were, they came out of nowhere. First five songs or six songs rather with the single first six songs are incredible. You know, like, yeah, yeah. All like undeniably spectacular songs. Um, like just very talented musicians. They, they deserve all the hype behind them and more, um, and uh, I, at the end of the day, coming back to that, it's a, that like I, I wouldn't call it a rivalry. I would, I love those dudes. I want them to. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be, uh, I'm gonna be uh, singing along to every single song that they play when they start doing shows. You yeah. know what I mean? Like I, lo- I love those dudes. Um, Jer- we go way back with Jerry. You know, I've known Jerry for a long, long time. I don't know if he'll want to admit to this, um, t- but uh, me and Joey sang a guest spot. Like the both of us did a guest spot on his old band's last record. Um, oh, like okay. We know each other like like a long time, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. But the, I think we all just kind of like had this weird parallel thought process where we were like, "Oh, let's play the music." That I mean, it's not the same circumstances for Somerset. Like they've been doing it for a long time. You know, this has been yeah. their genre for a long time. We were all kids who came from hardcore bands, like or I should say, like heavier hardcore bands. Um, I think we were just all sort of like at the same time, just like, yo, like, let's run it the way we did. Like, let's play the music we wanted to listen to when we were little kids, you know, like when we were like young. I know Jer- yeah, Jerry yeah. has a similar experience with like his older sister getting him into music or something like that. Like he talked yeah, about, yeah. like, I'm sure it was the same sort of wavelength where they were like, just let's just try that, you know? Mm. I remember what, like I spoke to him after, like after we'd done like the episode that I did with Standstill, like around the like the meme that was going around for a little bit between like you guys, Somerset Throw, oh, yeah, yeah. Standstill and that. And then there was the one that I, I can't remember if, if it was Jerry that tagged them, but tagged Silent Majority. And it was just like like a, a Wild West one. And he messaged me and he was like, <laughs> dude, Silent Majority actually responded. <laughs> he was just like so stoked. Nah, that's it. so, it was funny. so funny. Silent Majority's awesome, dude. They're- legends they um i if, if you were following that that meme war i hate to call it that it was so it was good such, i loved it it's a, it's a terrible name for it but i made the one that was like the ninja turtles or whatever um yeah like the, with silent majority I, I made that one because i was like it's all love it's all love it's not it was yeah there, there's no there's no beef there's no actual rivalry you know i love all those dudes and then, so just in terms of kind of like, I guess, where we're at now, obviously, literally, we're, what, two weeks away from your record release show. But, like, aside from that, like, it seems like you guys are, like, everywhere at the moment. Like, you'll be, like, being announced on, like, so many different shows and, and things like that. So was it just a case of, like, I don't know, you had this in all in planning, and then as soon as the green light was lit, it was go? Or has like all these offers now all of a sudden started coming in and things like that? Kind of a mixture of both, honestly. It was like, we we realized during COVID that we wanted to try running this, you know? And we wanted to keep, like, like I said, mm. like we wanted to just keep writing, just keep playing shows, like do shit like that. And um, then after we put the EP out, we just, we were exposed to a lot of opportunities that we wouldn't have otherwise had. Um, and um, honestly, I never know what shows we're playing. I have no idea what's coming up for us. Like I'm, I'm the guy in the group chat who's always like, yo, uh, 
uh, like I'm uh, I'm gonna be gone for this day or whatever. I want to make sure we don't have anything. And Joey will be like, "Oh, we're gonna be on tour for three weeks." Like I'll be like, "All right, shut <laughs> up!" Like, uh, how am I supposed to keep up with that? Like I I I never. I'm assuming it's all figured out, but I work all the time, so I don't know. I uh, I can't I can't yeah. be just like. I, I can't be on the call to play a show in, in, um, in wherever in Florida and on any given day, but granted I will be doing exactly that, you know, that's definitely worth <laughs> that's it. Cool. So. And I've got, got to mention, cause I saw it today, the, the Koyo soap, where did the idea of that oh, come dude, from? The guy from that company just like hit us up and had this awesome idea. And we said, fuck yeah, let's run it. Like that was so cool. That was, that's legitimately, I thought, do I have it with me right now? I, it smells so good. It smells fucking crazy. Like, I love that shit. I, I think I put it, like, in my bedroom or something. I don't remember. I wanted my girl's on vacation right now, and I was trying to preserve it so that she can smell it. Yeah, I don't have any. But, yo, I, that was just, that was their idea. We had some, like, we. I always love, so I, I do all the designs for the band, and yeah. I always love weird merch. Like, I'm a huge weird merch guy. Like, even, like, if there's a band who I've never listened to and they have a, like a, a, you know, a quarter zip fleece or whatever, like <laughs> I want it, you know, I don't care what they sound like. I want it. Like, and I think there are plenty of people like that, but now that like, excuse me, now that like I'm designing for a, for a band, but like a passion project of mine all the time, like I kind of want to have weird shit. So that was the perfect storm when they hit us up. Like I was like, yo, that's the coolest idea ever. Yeah, yeah. Like this is so, how often are we going to get an opportunity like that? You know, like that's so cool. And uh, shout out Evan from, from Urban Cabin. That was so cool. Like that's such a sick and I hope he does it with more bands. Like I, I you know, yeah, definitely. I would love to know that the Koyo soap smells better than a standstill soap. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm playing, but like that's uh, we have some other cool stuff planned for the record release. Um, in addition to that, you know, like weird items that like you know you're not gonna see all the time, like type shit. I, I mm. love, I love stuff like that. And I will disclose to anyone listening, we will have a standstill this shirt. But they will also have one of us, so it's it's all it's all cool. in good fun. It's been coordinated, you know. I I don't, cool. I don't know if I should yeah. admit that, but because it, it takes away from the allure of it. <laughs> I think I think everyone knows this <laughs> yeah. at yeah. this point anyway. Yeah, those are our boys. But they um, see us hanging out and talking and shit, you know. They're like, oh, these guys, you know, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, it's all good. And obviously, I have to ask massively selfishly: Have you got always got? plans to come over here or is it too early days oh yeah we do and i can't say anything but it'll be cool yeah well that's what well, i like to that's all i need to know i, I like i always want to, to i want to I, I will do anything to tour with higher power again um I, those guys are so cool and like i had a blast touring with them and, and yeah. joey's toured with them too with vane and like they're just, they're so dope. I want to go back over there and tour with them really, really bad. Um, so if that can happen soon, that would be fucking great. But yeah, we have some plans to come over there. I don't, I would say it out loud because I don't like keeping secrets, but I don't think it's been announced yet. I think somebody would kill me. So I'm just gonna, <laughs> I'm just gonna say like, no, that's cool. You, you'll hear, you'll hear something soon. That's cool. That's all yeah. I need to know. Um, before I let you go, Harold, obviously like, the other project of yours that we've kind of touched upon a little bit, but you've said 
is it a bit of the advert like sole provider? Are you is that something that you're wanting to do more with, or because you're so busy with Koyo, is taking a backseat? Well, I think that sole provider is the worst band of all time. Like first and foremost, I think the sole provider is the worst band ever, and I don't think that it deserves the time of day from anyone. Um, like if anyone ever hits us up, it's like, oh, you gonna play over this show? You gonna you gonna record new music? I'm always like. No, I don't think so. Like, I don't know. Do you actually <laughs> want us to, you know, like, like, cause we don't want to, you know, it, but it, that's also like, kind of like just a running bit, you know, in the band is like, yeah, yeah. It's like, th that's the negative band and Koyo is the positive bit. You know, it's the same exact members aside from one guy. Um, it's the exact yeah. same lineup. Uh, but I don't, yeah, I don't know. Like Soul Provider is like just, a terrible band that I want to do. I can't talk about it seriously. I always divert to like, oh, it sucks, you know. Um, yeah. I, now and again, I'll be like, I'll like write a hard ass riff, like when I'm trying to like just play guitar, and I'll be like, all right, maybe we can use that for a solo writer song. And then I go, oh, that means I have to like practice with everyone, you know. Like the the other thing I always say whenever anybody asks about solo writers, I'll always be like. Oh, we broke up because we don't get along, you know, because we're all also <laughs> in Koyo. Um, I'll tell like if any like local kid, like, well, like friends of ours and stuff will be like, oh, so what's the plan with that? I'll be like, we broke up. I can't fucking stand those guys anymore. You know, like we had a bunch of big fights and like it's over. That's, it. <laughs> That's brilliant. Yeah. I love it. I absolutely <laughs> love it. Um, and obviously, like you mentioned it briefly, but Hangman stuff, are we likely to hear any new stuff anytime yeah, soon? I, I mean... I think so. Yeah, it's just a matter of how soon. Um, in the meantime, though, you know, Pain of Truth is killing it, and that's that's Michael's other band. Um, my roommate is in Pain of Truth also. He's listening to me this oh, entire sick. time. Um, uh, I think, you know, in the meantime, Coil and Pain of Truth are going to do some stuff, but I definitely want to do more Hangman stuff. I know we have stuff planned um, and, like, songs yeah. written and stuff like that. So uh, definitely keep your eyes peeled. That's cool. And just to get my, my bit in there, like literally Pain of Truth are like one of my favourite bands. Oh, dude, they're like, so that, good. That EP like literally just like came out of nowhere and just fucking like knocked me for six. It's so yeah, good. Yeah, uh, so, that, like that's blew my mind. It's great. It's great. It's one yeah. of my favourite hardcore yeah. releases in a long time. Yeah, definitely. Completely agree. Um, but Harold, I've taken up way too much of your time, but how I like to kind of end this is to ask my guests what their favorite song is but with a bit of a twist and it might be a bit difficult with koyo but we'll give it a go and see what happens but what's your favorite we'll go with hangman and koyo so what's your favorite hangman song you like to play live and what's your favorite koyo song that you think you'll like to play live um my favorite like my favorite hangman song to play live is probably abandoned um yeah and my favorite koyo song my favorite Koyo song is Mariches, for sure. I mean, it is a banger, Thank you. so... Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. A, that's my favorite, for sure. Perfect. Well, Harold, thank you very much for your time. Like, literally, honestly, the Koyo stuff is super sick. Thank like, you. Hangman, uh, Rad. I cannot wait to see both bands over here again soon, but, like, I think when Koyo comes over here, I'm hoping, like, obviously sooner rather than later, but if it happens in the summertime, like, it'll be... Oh, yeah. I really hope so. Man. That'd be dope. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it, dude. This was great. No, no. Definitely. But yeah, take care, my Same friend. Same to you. Thank you so much. Cheers. Bye.
so there we have it folks again a huge thank you to harold for taking some time out of his day and having a little chat with me um as always you can keep up to date with all the projects that harold's involved with by visiting all their various social medias uh links and such will be in the episode show notes keep an eye out for what koyo are doing like i'm super excited if they come over to, to europe anytime soon but also hangman like they're one of like the hardest bands in hardcore right now like when i saw them with backtrack uh in 2019 they were fuck just incredible so if you're unaware of hangman go check them out as well um but yeah that is it for another week uh hoping to have a couple of guests lined up in the in the following weeks but it seems like life is getting busy again which is good like in terms of not just shows not just the podcast but socially as well which is wonderful um if you're a fan of this show then as always please rate subscribe review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on follow us on social media just underscore and underscore insight on instagram and twitter just an insight podcast on facebook we also have our second charity sampler out now so if you go to justaninsightpod.bandcamp.com you can go support the good night out campaign which is a very worthy cause i'm going to leave it at that again thank you very much for stopping by the justin insight podcast and i'll see you soon Bye.